Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Lee. What are you up to? Hey, I am up to my ears in trying to put together a great show for you, but I've got a surprise, Rick. We've got an unbelievable guest in the studio. I know he's your friend. He's mine as well. And let's bring him right in, right to get started. We've got Dr. Will Schultz, who is the founder of the Schultz Veterinary Clinic in Okemos, and he is... I, I don't even have to explain it because people know him all over the country, all over the world for what he does. Welcome, Dr. Schultz. Wow. I hope I can make up to that. Uh, thank you, guys. It's nice being here today. Oh, it's right. our pleasure. But, Dr. Schultz, let's let's put, me, put the lie to what I just said. Am I mistaken or do you not get calls to do things for people all around the world? Well, what's interesting in our practice, we do a lot of reproduction, but we also do general medicine. Uh, laser surgery, some some different procedures that are there. And because of that, um, about 20 years ago, we did a zip code search in our practice. And at that point, um, I would think, well, most veterinary clinics, maybe five, you think about five or 10, we had 500 zip codes on record. But we have shipped semen around the world. We have received dogs from other places for breedings. And then it's because of that, we see a lot of second opinions for certain breeds have very particular problems like upper airway disease in the uh, short nose breeds. Um, they need sometimes palate surgery or nasal surgery. Um, some of the other breeds have reproduction problems that we deal with. So it's, it's, it's a very fun thing to do. And it keeps us really busy on a daily basis. And it's absolutely, it's kind of like your talk show, too. It's never going to be boring. It's, and, and if it is, well, then we'll have somebody else talk today. <laughs> and, and, if, and if Rick doesn't talk, Lee will talk. But, but we'll get that all taken care of. But it's a, it's, it makes it really fun to practice. And when it's fun to practice, I think you do a better job. And I do want to point out that if you're in the Lansing area, as opposed to worldwide, yeah. um, it's just Dr. Schultz's clinic is synonymous with where's the best or where's one of the best dog veterinary clinics to take my dog to. And that, that only happens with years and years of dedication and specific you know, standards that you have in the practice. Can you help comment as to how, how it is that you've created the kind of both reputation and, and basically the, the facility and practice that you have today? Well, the, part of it is we have good diagnostics. Um, we had digital x-rays a long time ago. We have a digital ultrasound machine. We have an endoscope that we use in the practice. So we can do diagnostics very quickly on site. Now, a lot of clinics are getting those. I mean, I would say most clinics, even in the Lansing area now, all have digital x-rays. But 15 or 20 years ago, that, that wasn't common. But the good thing about digital, 
everybody that's out there, if you're going to get your PET x-ray, a digital x-ray has what's called a high dynamic range. So anybody that's into photography, dynamic range is if I'm taking a picture across a room and part of the room is in the shade, part of the room's in the sunshine, if you take your regular camera, it will expose for whatever's in the sunshine. It only wants to see the brightest mm -hmm, thing there. Mm -hmm. The high dynamic range means I can see the things that are in the dark also, maybe not pitch black, but you see a huge amount more detail. And then if we don't pick it up there, then we put an ultrasound on. And in the ultrasound, I get to look at all the abdominal organs. We can look at the hearts with ultrasounds, but not lungs. And ultrasounds are basically sonar in a submarine. And so it bounces a wave off the organ of the tissue. And if it's fluid filled, you get a very cool picture. Mm. And so you can immediately see, so we palpate an abdomen. And we did have this happen the other day. And it was a, a well-health dog. Dog was in very, very happy. Palpate, and I go like, there's a, a mass in this dog's abdomen. And within like two or three minutes, we knew it was coming off of a kidney. We knew we could fix it. And uh, the dog's all happy and fine now. But when you have an x-ray, sometimes you can't see those. So you have to have complementary um, right. diagnostics and complementary medicine. And our goal in the practice was <clears throat> to... If you come in, we want to diagnose today, not tomorrow. And we don't want to have you come back four or five times to try and make a diagnosis. It's we make an effort to do that the first time. And we have four doctors in the practice, and we have this ethic, and that's what we try to do in our practice. And I know every veterinarian tries to do it. Absolutely, but <clears throat> it just kind of reminds me um, that the, the technical equipment you had kind of first on the block is more reflective or um, symbolic, if you will. I mean, something drove you to do that, right? Yeah. And, and and it's a sense <clears throat> of purpose. It's a, a sense of dedication. Right. So instead of buying the big hot car, I drive a truck. Yeah. And um, you spend forty-five or fifty thousand dollars on a laser, and a lot of clinics. One can't do that. Luckily, we have a big enough practice we can do it. Yeah, yeah. But the ability of that for certain surgical procedures is just phenomenal. Um, and some of these, because now the airway dogs, and we're seeing many, many more, they're called brachycephalic dogs. These are little French bulldogs. They're very, very cute. Um, and we see a lot of bulldogs. They all have long, soft palates. They all have laryngeal saccule problems. They have nasal problems. And doing that surgery with a scalpel is life-threatening. Doing mm. the surgery with a laser is not life-threatening. It's a very clean, very quick surgery. Why, why is that? I just want um, the laser. Don't want to get too technical, yeah. but okay. I'm just so the curious. laser cuts tissue, but not burns the tissue. So if you use what's called electrocautery, which a lot of people have gone to their dermatologist mm -hmm. or whatever, electrocautery, you're you're grounded, and it's basically an electronic spark that's, that's vaporizing or cutting the tissue. Um, that's putting your hand on a stove. So if you accidentally put your hand on the stove tomorrow, it hurts today. Tomorrow it's going to blister, it's going to be red, it's going to be swollen. Well, if you do that kind of surgery inside of a throat in a human or a dog, it's going to swell up tomorrow. Sure. And swelling up in the back of your throat has some very, very bad complications to it. So the laser... Doesn't do any of that then. Correct. The laser, and what's also interesting about the laser is the, the it caps the nerve. So it's basically boiling tissue as it does it. So when you cut a nerve with a scalpel or cut a nerve with an electrocautery, you have either opened the end of that nerve or burned the end of the nerve, and which uh -huh. is going to be painful. Yeah. Uh, the laser does it very differently, and the nerve the next day doesn't have that pain threshold anymore. Very interesting. Yeah, it, it's and it's very possible that 
lasers probably hit my body now and then. But when they were demoing the laser, the guy says, oh, yeah, this doesn't I said, it has to hurt if it's putting a hole in you. Yeah. And so we're demoing it, and they give you a little tomato, and they show you can cut the skin off the tomato but not cut any deeper. So the laser, I can adjust the depth. Huh. With a scalpel, if you hold a scalpel gently, you can adjust the depth too. But when you cut with a scalpel, it's immediately bleeding. The laser is cauterizing smaller blood vessels. Um, but I took the laser and did a shot on my hand. I go, I felt that. And he, and he goes, well, you just cut a hole in your skin. And I said, of course I did, but you just told me it didn't hurt. It hurt. <laughs> but what was weird is the next day you could touch the spot and there was no sensitivity at all. Very interesting. So it was a, 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 a very, very neat modality for surgery. And it's being way more used in uh, – way more used. That's human good, medicine. Good, yeah. But my uh, English wasn't very good for that. Yeah. But it's using a lot more in human medicine. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good one. So everybody out there, if you have these choices – Sometimes you don't ask your doctor how they're going to do the surgery, yeah. but but there are some of these choices that have dramatically less pain. We also yeah. now, compared to 20 years ago, way better pain management than we ever did before. We give, when I graduated from veterinary school, if we did orthopedic surgery, we just did orthopedic surgery. Now there's preemptive pain medicine before they go under anesthetic. It allows us to use a lower grade of anesthesia, not lower grade, a lower volume of anesthesia for the same plane of anesthesia. And you now have pain management. And in pain in humans and dogs, if you stop the pain to start with, your recovery pain is dramatically less. So your brain develops a pain pathway. So mm -hmm. if I hit my finger and I don't take an anti-inflammatory today or a drug for pain, my brain is now setting a pathway up to that pain so it can monitor that pain. And what you're doing by giving these meds ahead of time is you're decreasing the chance for that to set up a, a, an effective pain pathway to your brain. Mm -hmm. And it monitors the pain. So all you people out there with bad backs, uh, take your medicine appropriately for it and take it quickly and you will have less problem in the future. Right, right. Well, we're talking this morning with Dr. Will Schultz from the Schultz Veterinary Clinic in Okemos. And Dr. Schultz, we need to take our first break. But when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about curiosity and to what degree that is the Schultz secret to success. <laughs> and we'll be back right here on 1320 WILS. Finally, two hosts your pets can relate to. It's Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I'd like to be under the sea. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we're talking this morning with Dr. Will Schultz, who is uh, with the Schultz Veterinary Clinic, actually, in Okemos. And Dr. Schultz, I'm just going to lay it out there. Anyone who heard this last segment with you has to wonder, how does this man know all that this man knows because he seems extremely intelligent. And I've got to say, of all the doctors that I talk to, you seem to be one of the more curious people in the world. So admit it. Is that your secret that has gotten you not just the admiration of mid-Michigan when it comes to your skills, but people worldwide? You know, there's a little book called Curious George that kids grow up with. Uh, my name is Will, not George, but part of medicine is look at what, so dog is dog is 
pediatric to geriatric in a child. So dogs develop to maybe to a two and a two and a half year old child, but you can ask a two and two and a half year old child, where does it hurt? You can't ask that to a dog. So as we get in the room, part of the deal is don't be rushed. Um, and my dad was an ophthalmologist here in Lansing for years. And part of his was, and dad was miserably behind two or three hours all the time. But his goal was when you walk in the room, this is the only person, the only client, the only dog, the only child, the only pet you're going to see today. Treat them that way. And then, and then forget everything else you just did. Um, but it would be a, more appropriate to be on time. But be on time, but then go in there and then focus on, okay, what are we here for? And the problem with veterinary medicine is very similar to pediatrics, very young pediatrics in humans. That child cannot talk. And what you're looking at is you're looking at what the mother or the father is seeing. What the mother or father is seeing, is that always what's wrong? And so you have to look at that and go like, well, that's not necessarily what's wrong. Well, I think my dog has a stomach ache because the back is roached. Well, you can have a stomach ache with a roached back, but you can also have a bad back with a bad back that causes the roaching in the back. You can have a lameness in one leg that's not the sore leg. And everybody that's out there, if you ever hurt your knee, which I've had hip replaced and knees replaced and all these surgeries, you put all your weight on your other leg for a while. And as you have your, all your weight on your other leg, that leg is sore, mm -hmm. but that's not the leg that's the problem. So as, as part of us, we have to listen. And these, you're not, as you, as pet owners, you are not lying about your pet, you are telling us what you think about your pet. And then our job is to wade through to what's wrong with the pet. And one of the really interesting, one of these we had once, we had a husband and wife in the room and they had a miniature schnauzer. And the miniature schnauzer had been itching since fall. And this was the next spring. And the dog's itching like mad. And I'm looking at the dog walking around the room. The dog's skin looks really good. And the miniature schnauzer, this was one that had cropped ears. And so I'm looking at the dog and the dog's not scratching in the room at all. And we're talking about when the itch started, um, what medicines have you been on? Because this also makes you look good when you do a second opinion. It can make you look very, very smart. If you read what everybody else has tried that didn't work, well, that makes you look a lot smarter. And the other <laughs> thing about it is it's the Einstein's theory of insanity is if you keep repeating what didn't work, expecting a different result, you're not going to get a different result. Mm -hmm. So if you gave a week of antibiotics and it didn't work, uh, well, let's give two weeks of the same antibiotic. Well, let, let's see. The first one didn't work. Why is the second one going to work? Mm -hmm. Well, because we're giving you more. Well, if I hit my hand with a hammer and it hurts the first time, it's probably still going to hurt the second time. So the problem is, and the good part about these are, is that you can come out looking very, very smart because you took time to do what you needed to do. So the little miniature schnauzers in the room, we're talking to the client, we haven't touched the dog yet. And so the question was, do either of you have any itchy spots? And now everybody out there that's ever had sarcoptic mange knows what I'm asking about. And she goes, looks at the husband, looks at me, and she goes, well, how do you know? And I go, well, tell me about the spot. She goes, well, I have these spots on my side. And if these clients are still listening, you were wonderful people, and we did fix your dog. Um, and she says, well, I have been to my dermatologist a couple of times. I've been to my endocrinologist. I have been to a psychiatrist. I've been to everybody because these spots show up on my side and nothing works. I've switched all my medicines. I went to generic. I went back to, to real brand. I went to, I've done all this. Nothing has worked. Well, how long have these spots been there? Oh, six months. Didn't say a word. How long has your dog been itching? Oh, six months. 
And so I said, well, what happens with the spots? Well, they kind of come and go. Okay, well, what have you used on your spots? This, 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 switch all these medicines. Do they ever go? No. I said, does your dog sleep in your bed next to you? Yeah. And which side is this on? My left side. Well, where does the dog sleep? On my left side. And she's getting this. Now it's starting to add up to the client. And she goes, not one doctor asked me if I even have a pet. But they were doing all this stuff with her skin, and it turns out in most dogs with sarcoptic mange, the ear margins, and you guys can't see me out there, but I'm putting my fingers on my ears right now. Um, dogs have a full ear margin, and the ear margin has lower blood flow to it. And for whatever reason, sarcoptic mange mites love ear margins, and you'll get these little crusty ears. Well, this case was different because, oh, that's right, they're cropped. So the part of the ear that usually is affected by sarcoptic mange is not on this dog. So the other plate, they'll be able to be behind their thighs and the back leg, and they'll itch back there sometimes. But by the time they've had it forever, it'll be a full body itch. But when it starts, it's these areas. And your immune system helps control this. But, of course, this dog didn't have the ear margin, so every vet that saw the dog never asked if the owner had any itchy spots. So typically... People with smaller breeds, they'll carry the dog in their arms, and they'll get these itchy spots on their forearms. You have very, very thin skin on your forearms and on your stomach, but they will never tell you. So we ask the people, "Is do you have any like a mosquito bite that lasts a while? And now the gross part of this, everybody out there, is the mite is on the dog. The mite transfers to your skin, goes into your skin, and you have this little mite living under your skin that causes an immune reaction just like a mosquito bite. So you have this itchy spot that goes on for seven to 10 days, and then it disappears. Well, why does it disappear? Because that mite loves our skin for a while, loves a little drink of blood it's getting you for a while, but it cannot live in our body. So that's a dog sarcoptic mange mite, and it just disappears. Well, the problem was this dog was giving this lady 15 or 20 mites every couple of days on her side. And so as we treated the dog, back then we had these new treatments for it. Now, the, and everybody that uses either topical or oral flea and tick medicine, your dog will not even get sarcoptic mange anymore mm-hmm. because that medicine effectively treats it. And so it's a, it's a mite that maybe younger veterinarians may never see in their lifetime, which is fine. But back then we used ivermectin, which is the active ingredient in heart guard medicine for you people that give it. And it was supposed to be a two-week drug and you gave it orally every two weeks. Of course, it's off-label back then. So we discussed that with a client. Well, the thing was at about day nine or 10, she would get her itchy spots back. So on her dog, we had to go to once a week to treat. And after once a week, all her itchy spots were gone. All her doctors were embarrassed because they never uh, diagnosed her properly. But we cured our client and her dog. And the (laughs) thing that she did ask me then was, how do you know this is sarcoptic mange? You have never touched my dog. And so a lot of our diagnostics are done by a thorough exam. And what's really interesting about this, during veterinary school, as you do this as a vet student, the, you walk in the room, you're the first one in the room, and then the resident or the intern then comes in, and they will ask the very same questions that we asked, and they get very different answers. So you learn after a while to ask the same question to the same people three times in a different way. because if you And sometimes you get the answer you want the first time, but if you don't, you keep going, okay, well then 
does this itch long? Does your, when does your dog itch? Is it morning? Is it night? Is the lameness all day? Is the lameness part of the day? And as you go to your doctors, your doctors do the same thing with you. But now in human medicine, veterinary medicine, and we are going to talk about this in our next break, what has COVID done to change how we see medicine and how we attract, how we see people. But, but you still have to do the question. And so you'll ask the question. And what's really great is you'll get a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or, or a pair of people in the room is a good way to put it. And the, you'll ask which leg's lame, right leg, left leg. Wait a minute. Is it right or left? And they'll look at each other and they'll stare each other down and one will go to the other. It's the right. No, it's the left. Well, which, one, which way are you looking at the dog, front or back? A dog's right front leg is our right arm. It, it, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at the dog or not. And then I'll try and con- clear up that confusion. They go, no, no, we know which side's right, which side's left. And I go, okay, this is no place for a domestic right now. What we're trying to do <laughs> is we're trying to figure out, and this is not once I've ever done this. We have done this multiple times. And they'll start arguing about which leg, and they're probably both correct. And in some of the younger dogs with um, shoulder problems or joint problems, it is intermittent. And on one day, it's just like we talked about before. It's the right front. The next day, it's the left front. It's not the same leg every time. So then we go like, okay, now we have to do our thorough exam on both legs. Uh-huh. Rick, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> it's thing. always fun. It, it is always, always fun. fun. We're talking this morning with Dr. Will Schultz, and we'll be back right after the break on 1320 WILS. <laughs> It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35 and we're back here on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Dr. Will Schultz uh, from the Schultz Veterinary Clinic in Okemos. And Dr. Schultz, you mentioned it in the last segment, and we haven't talked to you in a couple of years, so I'll take you back. I know, Rick, we don't like talking about this anymore, but I'll bring it up. It's COVID because it had a lot of effects on a lot of things, one of which is I've never seen more people having pets and having gone out and bought dogs, so I imagine it's been good for the breeding business because of what's going on with that, but exactly what are your observations now of how COVID impacted your business, pets, what you do? Talk the industry, with us about it. Yeah. The industry that you're part of. Yeah. Well, what is interesting, during COVID, there was a state mandate that only we could practice um, there's a word for it that I will not have it. Um, okay. But anyways, it was necessary medicine. Like mandatory this. Mandatory, right. yeah. Reproduction yeah. was not. So we stopped. We would do ultrasounds. We would do needed C-sections if they were needed. But we did no breedings in our practice for almost two years. Um, There were a few practices that did it in Michigan, but we decided not to go against a state mandate. Uh, Better not to do that. But what's interesting about when COVID started was we have four receptionists in the practice. And I went up front and I said, hey, ladies, um, COVID is just going to kill veterinary medicine. Um, We're going to be able – you're going to take some time off. Um, There was the – extra pay if you took leave and we told anybody that wasn't you know comfortable being around other people of course we masked we didn't let clients in it was curbside service it completely changed the nature of medicine but i said you know the phone's going to stop ringing literally as i said that the phone never stopped ringing during covid 
Um, now, what was interesting was what now a lot of people then worked from home. And a lot of people quit. A lot of people went on unemployment because you got this extra big money to do it. And so the people are now home. And they're now looking at Fluffy going like, wow, Fluffy's eye isn't right. Oh, yeah, it hasn't been right for like a year. But now let's call. Or the, oh, you know what? It's about time I took care of that lameness. It was interesting. It ratcheted up everything to every veterinary practice. And actually human medicine went through the same thing. We went through nightmares of scheduling. Um, and I know you people out there would call your vets, and it still happens up to today. Can I have an appointment? Sure. Um, we'll see you in three months. And we just sent a referral out for a cardiac referral. And a cardiac referral sometimes is kind of important because um, you need your <laughs> heart. Yeah, just, just, just a little thought. And the referral was three and a half months out. But we can get them worked in on an emergency. But if I'm going to refer to a cardiologist because we have veterinary cardiologists we use, it kind of has to be an emergency or they're not going to take my referrals anymore. So if I just have a puppy with a murmur that I know the puppy's healthy, it can wait. Well, the problem is if it's a breeder trying to sell it to somebody, uh, we don't want you to buy a puppy that has a heart murmur because we haven't thoroughly diagnosed this heart murmur. So in some of these, mm. the general practitioner can easily diagnose it, and we know certain murmurs um, when we ascult or listen to the heart. But in other ones, I want them to do what's called a Doppler on the heart, or it's an echocardiogram. It's the same ultrasound we use on the abdomen, but you do measurements just like they do on your heart if you go see the doctor. And they want it, they're checking the flow of the heart, they're checking, and they're going to tell me how bad is this. Um, very likely some of these are congenital or developmental. And then is this dog going to live a normal, happy life and not need medication all its life? Is this dog going to live past six months? These are things that we want to know. And so that's one of the spin-offs of COVID, which has been a nightmare. Well, this has happened in human medicine also. So now when you try to call your doctor for an appointment, you're going to see the same thing happen. It's going to be difficult to get in. It's going to be longer to get in. You're going to have a longer wait. And now the problem is it's getting to be hurried medicine in some places. And the, what we don't want to do is have it be hurried medicine. Hurried medicine is not good medicine. Yeah, because you were just mentioning before, you know, when the dog comes in, human uh, as well, Yeah. In, unless you take that, like you, like your dad said, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't have that time to just right. grab that energy, find out what's going on, but instead draw the first conclusion from maybe what the people are telling you, or just focus on the specific item at hand, things are missed. In Absolutely. Fact, we were talking in the break a little bit about that, and I'd like to go down that uh, pathway uh, only because, well, it makes me think about this. I went to the doctor, and um, I had my first uh, CAT scan, and the doctor says, so have you had one of these CAT scans before? And I said, no. He says, interesting, we, we've got something on your kidney you know, and we're just hoping that you have something that was before because we'd like to kind of compare to see that. Well, I didn't go in for my kidneys, nor to get it checked out. But before you know it, I'm sitting on the, on the, the, the CAT scan machine and they're, they're examining my entire body and they're finding things. And I would imagine that in veterinary practice, if you don't take the time to, to, to just kind of focus, you can miss things. Right. It happens all the time. So you come in for an itchy eye. Is it being caused by the ear because there's been an ear infection going on? Is it be causing by something really in the eye? And what if there's a tooth root abscess? Um, th 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 they're very common in people where 
um, you go for one branch of medicine and they're immediately going to refer you to another branch of medicine because that doctor took the time and asked more questions. And that was the next problem with curbside. So normally if we're in the room, I have the dog maybe running around the room or being held by our staff and I'm talking to the client and looking at the dog at the same time. Well, the problem with curbside was I would call you first, hello, welcome to the clinic, bring your dog up to the door. And then, okay, now what's the problem? So we take a list of problems. Uh, then we go back in the room. And then what we did start doing a lot of times was a uh, live phone call, like a FaceTime with a client while we're in the room with the dog. It makes it difficult to do it, but as you're examining, then you go, okay, well, now I see this. What about this? Or now I see that. And then you can get through that. And in human medicine, you got to go in with your doctor. Mm -hmm. But in peds, luckily in most humans with pediatric offices, you also went in. But in veterinary medicine, you couldn't come in the front door. Right. And, and, then, and the next problem was a lot of these people are driving an hour or two hours to get there. Where's the closest bathroom? We sent them out to the highway. Um, so they had to either go to McDonald's, which then closed their waiting room, their, their room too. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm not to say the trees ever got used behind our office. But, but we, <laughs> you are out in a nice a, little country it's a location. Good thing they have that rural location. Yeah, right. yeah. But exactly what was interesting right. when you call them back, the lady goes, You need to spray for mosquitoes. They go, well, you're not in your car. Well, no, I couldn't stand the car. <laughs> so uh, we didn't go there, but you know, it's called any port in a storm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when it's raining, it's, it's going to rain. So yeah. that's part of Somebody what taking their dog for a walk around your place and say, Whoa, I got a moonshot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But luckily, we have some pretty dense woods for anybody that was there, and we never saw anybody do it. But just in case, it, it, I'm sure it happened, and I know it happened. But, but it's, it was a very frustrating part of medicine, and it has changed to this day how we practice. Um, we still let the people in, but for a while, it was only one person with the dog. Well, the problem is, in many households, the information mm -hmm. from the second person is also useful. And what's weird <laughs> is a lot of times in a – in a spousal relationship or a partner relationship, the wrong, the one partner has the day off and they're the one that bring the dog in. But the other one is the one that's tuned in. And everybody sure, here yeah. knows um, every pet kind of likes one person. Oh, yeah. More. And it's right. not necessarily the person. Uh, my dad wasn't a famous cat person, but we had a cat that loved it was Right. My dad's cat. Right. Well, the other problem was it would walk all over his car and leave footprints on his brand new car. <laughs> so dad and that cat had this love-hate relationship. <laughs> but it was but it's really interesting yeah. how they not necessarily so in your relationship people that are out there, so your partner gets a new pet and the partner and the pet likes you better. Why? You smell better. You yeah. touch them differently. You they know things about us we don't know. And they're now doing research, too, for COVID, where dogs can detect COVID before the tests can detect COVID. So mm. dogs are also used to check people for malignant melanomas. They're using that because dogs can find them better than any medicine can find them. Mm. So I always joke and say, if we could smell what a dog could smell, or as well as a dog could smell, we would spend our entire day being sick to our stomach. You don't want to know. They love to smell roadkill. Do mm -hmm. we want to put our nose mm -hmm. in roadkill? No. And we smell it and stop and turn. But their smelling is, what, hundreds of thousands of times better than ours. And little things that you smell that would make you feel sick are going to really make you sick. So dogs also, because of this, like dogs lose hearing at age 12, 13, 14 years old frequently. Well, we do too. And a lot of these dogs... 
this is a, a way off the board, but a couple years ago, a company made hearing aids for dogs. It was really neat. You take a little impression of their ear, and it was an in-ear hearing aid. I thought, oh, it's, it's, it's really nice, but they're, everybody, I want you all put your thinking caps on now. So I'm going to shove something in a dog's ear. What's wrong with doing that? Okay. So the groomer left a cotton ball in the ear. What does your dog do when he gets home? It digs its ear. Yeah. Does a yeah. dog want? Yes. Lee just did it too. Lee dug at his ear. Yes. Yeah. Well, what happened to every single hearing aid? They all got eaten. <laughs> every one of them. Uh, did the dogs hear better? Oh, yeah, sure. They heard better, but they tasted better than they could hear. So their hearing might have gone, but their sense of taste never left them. That kind of reminds me of the movie The Jerk, I think it was, yeah. with the glasses. And yeah, yeah. And Ben's head, and then the they're all cross-eyed. So if you people haven't seen The Jerk, watch it, and you'll understand everything we're saying. Absolutely. We're talking this morning with Dr. Will Schultz, and we'll be back right after the break on 1320 WILS. Two legs, good. Four legs, better. Any more or less than that, it's a party. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning with Dr. Will Schultz, who has been in the veterinary business for many decades. And Dr. Schultz, I'll ask you this question. You've been through the pandemic. You've been through Mm. decades of experiences. How and why is the veterinary business changing? Because the one thing I will bring up that I've seen lately is it seems like a lot of veterinary practices are being bought out by these larger entities. And uh, why is that going on? I mean, give us give us a clue of what are we seeing but not understanding behind the scenes. Well, what's happening is um – Baby boomers are retiring, and many of the new practitioners they're out and in veterinary medicine. So everybody knows when I went to veterinary school, there were there were two classes a year with fifty people. We had five females in our class. Now the classes are the opposite way. It's it's good and bad. That does not mean women are not good veterinarians. I have three other veterinarians in my staff that are wonderful. The reason they're there is because they're good veterinarians. Um, and in medicine and dentistry, it's happening also. I don't know why guys don't want to do this because it's a really good career to get into. But the other thing is it's now a job where when I got out of school, we worked 60 hours a week. Nobody does that anymore. And it's a good job, and it is for any females that are out there thinking going to veterinary medicine, it's a great job to do. And many, many clinics allow you to work three to four days a week. And then you, sh- you do shifts during the week. So you can still raise a family and have a professional career, where before that wasn't possible. 60 or 70 hours a week, you don't see your children. You, you can't do that. And so I would get home just enough time and a lot of nights just to tuck them in bed, and that was it. Did I miss the sports for the kids? I missed that. Well, now it's different, and we can do that with our families, and we can do that with our career. So it's changed a little bit of a little continuity in the practice too. Some of those things have changed. Um, but it's it's maybe some of it's for the better because now you have a veterinarian that's not going to get burned out so easily. And COVID did that to a lot of careers. Uh, it did cause a lot of burnout. And so a lot of people quit their practices because of it. And then the other part is if you have a three, four, five, six doctor practice, you can't afford as a a person in the practice to buy that practice. 
Um, you could be paying many people that are now graduating from human medicine, veterinary medicine, dentistry, those healthcare professions, and nurses, you're graduating from school with a three hundred dollars to a $500,000 debt. Um, you can't have that debt and then go spend two or three million dollars and buy a practice anymore. It's just not possible. If you have family funding, it will help. Uh, but what's happening is um, corporate buy-ups. Uh, the eye doctor, I see, that practice is corporate. Um, a bunch of dentists in town are now going corporate. Mm -hmm. um, some corporations come in and immediately change the name of the clinic. Uh, the clinic has changed. Uh, and with that name change comes a practice change. This is how you're going to run this practice. That's not it. We bring in somebody else from the corporation to run it. Our, our practice is now corporate. Uh, it's been corporate for a year and a half. And we searched many, many corporations. And the corporation we went to changes nothing in the practice. Nobody's fired. If you need help, they're, they're there to help you hire people. They don't change how the practice is run. So when you come in the clinic, if I think we need blood work today, we're going to do blood work. They don't dictate how we do that. Some of it now we send to a lab. And what's interesting, we now get it the next day, but we are getting a more complete blood work. It's a win-win. The other thing that happens too is that we can run in-house blood work. So if you're coming in for a C-section that has to be done immediately, we will run blood work every time before we do that C-section. We can still do that. We haven't changed how we practice. That's the reason we went with this. So it's basically we have a silent partner, but I will be phased out and my other doctors are taking over. And we are gradually having them see more and more of the clients that I see. And for everybody out there that's one of our clients, the reason I have these doctors there was because I trust them. And as I retire with a pet, they're going to be taking care of my pet. And I will go to my practice because I still enjoy it. But we have a practice ethic in our practice, and everybody that's out there, every veterinarian does. No veterinarian that's in practice is is just doing it because they're taking money from you. This is not a career where I'm going to retire and go buy a Ferrari. Um, this isn't that kind of a career. This is a career where we worked to get where we are, and the reason we got where we are and have a successful practice is we spent time listening. We spent time doing what we're supposed to be doing. There are careers, oh, like when I worked at uh, Fisher Body years ago, you go in and you do your job and then you have a life after the job. Our life in many cases is our job. Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing that and we watch. And I, we were joking earlier at one of the things when I watch people running down the street, um, because when in veterinary school, we watched horses move. And if a foot moves out to the side, the horse isn't going to run as fast. And so I'll see people running. I go like, oh, that person needs new running shoes. And my wife will go, stop. Well, as we get this curiosity, we look at things that are going on. And it's not that I'm saying bad. It's that I'm caring that I could make that person run faster if I was their doctor. And if you're out there and you're one of those runners, go see a podiatrist. Have somebody go to sports medicine. Have them watch you run. And look at your gait. And if your gait's wrong, people that – how we got in this, sorry. But people that swing their arms side to side, you're going forward and backward running, mostly forward. Well, what motion is forward? Side to side isn't forward. Front and back is forward. Watch kids that are sprinting. They don't move their arms back and forth. They move their arms forward. So you watch these things. And that – is what we look at your dog or your cat that comes in. Is it moving the same? How is it acting? Um, <clears throat> is it tipping its head to one side? Is it showing me um, when I call it, does it look front and back? Well, deafness in one ear 
you lose the ability to tell where sound is coming from. And so I have this issue with one of my ears, and if I hear a loud sound, I'll a lot of times look the wrong way. Yeah. And so um, if you see that in your pet, pay attention to that because they're little subtle things, and that's where you diagnose things in medicine. And that's what we were talking earlier about, the curiosity of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think you're born with or you're not born with. So a veterinary practicing five years from now, as opposed to a veterinarian that practiced 20 years ago, are they going to have similar sharp skill sets that the family coming in can feel comfortable with? Um, Are we losing any elements of the veterinary practice for which uh, uh, that we're going to regret? Or is there elements of the veterinary practice that enhance the opportunity as a as a Well, one, the better diagnostics help, and two, in human medicine and veterinary medicine both, they now have classes. We this none of this existed, but you go in and do interviews, and you're doing locally. They have, and and I'll probably be doing this once I get retired. You go in as a practicing veterinarian. They give you a script of what's wrong with this dog, and the students come in and they're being trained. It's called anamnesis, and anamnesis is taking a history, and they're training you to take a history, and they're training you to be compatible. So part of taking a good history is if you come in and you're immediately accusatory to the people or you're immediately, I don't like this client, I don't like Mm -hmm. their attitude, Mm -hmm. you're going to change how you ask questions. You're going to change the duration that you ask the questions. You're going to change the depth of the questions you ask, and you're going to lose everything you need to know from this person. And so this goes to everybody that's out there, if you go to your veterinarian or your doctor and you say, oh, this is what I think is wrong, and they stop at that, we don't stop at that. We have to carry it one, two, three, four steps further, depending on what we see with the dog, what we see with your question. And that got back to the two people. And a lot of times we had one the other day where the son uh, brought the dog in, but the parents weren't available. But I said, okay, is one of your parents available for a phone call right now? So we got them on the phone while I have the dog in front of me and then asked all the questions the son couldn't answer. And so you have to go that next step and do make it more curious. Okay, what doesn't fit with this picture? And that's how you have to figure out what's wrong. You're saying that there is a system in place that enables the nowadays vets to go through that. Yeah, and what they're doing and they're teaching in these classes is if that student comes in, and this is just like coming to a radio show or speaking in front of people, or the better one is the first time you're ever in front of a TV, the pucker factor goes way up. And if you're uncomfortable with face-to-face talking, it's a difficult thing to learn. And that's what those classes are starting to teach these people. So as you're sitting there as a practitioner, they're asking questions, and you are helping them form their ability to ask questions better. Well, Lee's got the facial facial expressions yep. saying Lee's <laughs> right. got to get out of the radio show. That's exactly right, Rick. You read you read my face. But uh, Dr. Schultz, we want to thank you. It's always fun to have you in here. We sure appreciate it. And I want to thank everybody for listening and they were actually both still in the room the whole time, and it wasn't just me talking the whole time. <laughs> We've been talking with Dr. Will Schultz from the Schultz Veterinary Clinic, and I'm afraid we're out of time. So on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, and Rick Proust, my co-host, this is Lee Cohen. Have a great week, everybody. 